have the Baltimore Ravens established themselves as the best team in the NFL. We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day or free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes in video form on YouTube and audio wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs wants to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, but it's your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We are here on a victory Monday, a glorious victory Monday at that. Baltimore blowing out the Seattle Seahawks in week 9, 37-3. And here on Lockdown Ravens, we're a five-day week Ravens podcast. So Monday through Friday, we bring you the best day of the Ravens coverage, Ravens news, analysis, updates. You can, again, subscribe in video form on YouTube, audio form as well. I really appreciate all the support in both video and audio. We've built up a ton of awesome communities, whether it is YouTube, audio, social media, whatever. It's been a really fun journey here, and the Ravens are making it fun with their four-game win streak. So if you want to tell a friend, tell a family member that you can get daily Ravens coverage over here, really appreciate you doing that. And if you're an everyday, I really appreciate you listening every single day. If it's your first time, welcome into the channel and the show. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for checking back in here on Locked on Ravens. But we got a lot to dive into today because Baltimore is a 7-2 and football team. They're still tied atop the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs. And people are starting to ask after the Ravens' past two home games have been a blowout of the Lions and a blowout of the Seahawks, are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? We'll talk about that in the first part of the show. Then in the second part, we'll do a more of a general recap. We do live reactions after every single Ravens game. So if you want a more instant reaction, more in-depth, be sure to check out that, the replay of that, whether you are in video form or audio form. Then in the final part of the show, just because the Ravens won doesn't mean there aren't areas of improvement they can get better at. So we will talk about some areas of improvement the team can get better at. So let's just get into it here. Really exciting stuff. Are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? Well, there, there are a couple of things we have to identify first. Let's first get into the standings. Obviously, the Chargers and the Jets have not played yet on Monday night. So I'm just going off of the rankings before that Sunday's action. Kansas City and Baltimore are 1-2 at the top of the AFC at 7-2. and two. Then you have Jacksonville at 6-2. and two. They had a bye this week. Miami at 6-3. and three. Pittsburgh at 5-3. and three. Cleveland at 5-3. and three. And Cincinnati at 5-3. and three. If the playoffs started right now, right at the time I'm recording this, right as this episode comes out, Monday 6 a.m., all four teams from the AFC North would make the playoffs. The Ravens is the two-seed. Pittsburgh is five. Cleveland is six. And Cincinnati is seven is what it is. That's incredible. But for the Ravens, I think it speaks volumes because on this list here, they have to play Jacksonville and Miami and the three AFC North teams again. They have a lot, they have a lot of teams coming up here, the Chargers as well, but they were able to get the better of Cincinnati. They were able to get the better of Cleveland. Pittsburgh was a tough game, but they've beaten two tough NFC opponents back to back home games. 
they to me are establishing themselves. They have put the league on notice as a team that if they can just get the consistency down, we'll talk about that in the final part of the show. If they can just get the consistency down, they would be, I think, no question, the best team in the NFL. Even though, look, we have to give credit to Kansas City. Kansas City is the champions. You don't want to discount what they're doing. They also were seven and two. But Baltimore's wins, I think, the wins that they have had, even though the offense hasn't been, you know, super consistent, the defense has been the best in the NFL. I think that is a fact. And that's something I, I definitely have a lot of confidence in saying. And if this Ravens offense can do what they did against the Seahawks and against the Lions on a consistent basis, again, there's no question about it. Against Detroit and Seattle, Baltimore outscored both those teams 75-9. to And those were both top 10 defenses coming in. No team can move the ball in the Ravens defense for the most part. It's very hard to do so. Mike McDonald is coaching great. The players are playing great. But you look at the roster, you look at the games the Ravens have played in, in this game in particular, I don't want to make it seem like I'm only talking about a two-game sample size of Detroit and of Seattle, and that's what I'm basing a claim off of if I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL or not. That's not what it is because Baltimore now is more than halfway into the season, or I guess they are halfway into the year right now with nine games under their belt. They're 7-2. and two. That doesn't just happen because of two games. It happens with consistent effort across the board. Baltimore is getting depth stepping up left and right, especially defensively. Lamar Jackson, even though his stats, his passing yard stats won't wow you, he's playing extremely efficient football this year. Not a lot of interceptions. The fumbles are a different issue. Obviously, that's been an issue for him. But Baltimore has shown that if they can't beat you with their offense, their defense is going to put up one heck of a fight for their offense and keep them in the game or honestly sometimes win them the game because they're that good. So again, Kansas City, really good football team. But Baltimore right now in the AFC, they're behind Miami and Buffalo in points forced with 239. Now Miami has forced many more with 285. That in part is due to their 70-point explosion earlier in the season. But in terms of points allowed, Baltimore is the best in the AFC with 124. Net points-wise, Baltimore by a wide margin. 80 net points is the second. That's the Buffalo Bills. Baltimore tops them with 115 in the top spot. Baltimore is 4-1 and on the road. They've done a ton of traveling this year. It feels like they're starting to get more comfortable at home. And plus, they're 4-2 and in the conference. And only the Chiefs have a better record in the conference. Baltimore, Miami, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh each also has a, have a 4-2 and two record. Baltimore has a top five defensive unit in both rushing and passing. Passing, they've been number one in a bunch of categories for a while. They've just done everything right defensively. And to me, it feels like, you know, who who is that best team in the league? If we had to identify, Baltimore's in that conversation. Kansas City is in that conversation. I'd put Jacksonville there. I think Jackson. Now, would I pick Jacksonville? No, but I think just to put them in there, fine. Philadelphia is is there. San Francisco is iffy. They've kind of fallen out after the last couple of weeks. I know Brock Purdy hasn't looked the best, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's really between Baltimore and Kansas City and Philadelphia right now. And look, Cincinnati looks great. I don't want to. Cincinnati has bit, played a lot better since the early season when this just seems like Cincinnati starts slow every single season. But Baltimore has had more consistency than Cincinnati, so I'm putting them above Cincinnati right now. 
Philadelphia is interesting. They're going through some injuries right now. And, and again, something I said on the live stream is Baltimore outside of week, those first three weeks have been really healthy. And not that they are completely fully 100% right now, but they haven't had a ton of these crazy injuries. Like the Eagles just lost Dallas Goddard. The Chiefs have gone through a couple things as well. So I think to me it's between Kansas City and Baltimore. Now Philadelphia is again in that conversation, but I think that Baltimore right now, at this point, with what they have done against Detroit and what they have done against Seattle, again, not just not just basing it off of those two games, but those obviously you got to take them into consideration, right? They beat Cleveland, who at that time, if we remember the whole conversation, I've said this before, the whole conversation was, oh, look at how good Cleveland's defense is. Look at how good Cleveland's defense is. Lamar Jackson and that Ravens team had the most success against that Cleveland defense that any team has had all year. Now, they did have those two games. It was two poor games against the Colts and the Steelers. They should have won, and that's a woulda, coulda, shoulda thing. But if, if, and again, it's the ifs, right? It didn't happen. But if Baltimore were to just have one or two less mistakes in that game, we'd be talking about an Iron No football team. And you can make that, that argument for every single team, right? If one thing didn't happen here, if one thing didn't happen there. But Baltimore's biggest enemy is themselves. And the way they're playing right now, I think Baltimore probably is the best team in the NFL. Now, if, if they either experience a drop-off in play or guys get injured. And of course, it's a fluid conversation. We can revisit it. But right now, I think that Baltimore has done enough. Even though I'd like to see more consistency on offense, that'd be the final step where, yeah, there's no question we're talking about the Ravens as the best team in the NFL because they haven't been consistent on offense. There is a question. But you you can't discount what they've done. You can't discount, discount the contributions they've gotten. it's a beautiful thing we're seeing right now with the Ravens four game winning streak. They're doing it all and hopefully they can continue their momentum moving forward. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking about a general Ravens Seahawks recap. So be sure to stay tuned playing to talk about it on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn, whether it's finding jobs for myself or friends or family. LinkedIn has been great and you can even create a free job post over on LinkedIn, and it's super easy to do so. All you have to do is add your job on the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, nice screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who'd like to interview and who'd like to hire. And it's really important to both start and end the year strong. We're coming up on the end of the year here, and the right team member might be able to help you do that. That's why small business right lane and jobs number one, delivering quality hires for leading competitors. Lending job to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster. Post your job for free on LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. Last LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker is still chatting it up with you on this Victory Monday edition of the show. Baltimore 7-2, and four-game winning streak. It's, it's a good time right now to be a Ravens fan, to cover this team. They're exciting. The vibes the vibes seem like they're 2019. Like, should, should I should I say that? Should I not? I don't I don't know, but I, I feel it. I feel it in my heart that it is a 2019 vibe check for this Ravens team. Now, hopefully, with a bit of a different outcome this time. But the Ravens are having fun. They're dominating and really dominated in Week Nine against the Seahawks again, 37 to three against a top 10 unit. And I was kind of talking about it throughout the week last week, right? If you were listening to me. Unlocked on Ravens, I was saying, hey, now, 
what the Ravens did this two weeks ago to a Lions team that was a top 10 defense in both rushing and passing. Well, the Seahawks come in is very similar. It's very similar to that game. What if they did it again? And that's where the conversation we had about, hey, you know what? Are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? That's a conversation that now has to 100% be had about this Ravens football club. But in this game against Seattle, I mean, the stats just – you usually say the stats don't tell the whole story, and in some aspects here they don't. But for the most part, they absolutely do. We'll start with team stats first because I think these do tell the story. Just domination all around. Baltimore had 29 first downs compared to Seattle's six. The Ravens went six for 13 on third down, which isn't like overly impressive or anything, but Seattle went one for 12. Baltimore had almost 30 more plays than the Seahawks in this one. Baltimore 515 total yards compared to Seattle's 151. And Seattle had one more drive than the Ravens. I mean, Baltimore was incredible. 6.9 yards per play compared to Seattle's 3.2. One of the ones to me, though, I, I think this one is the most impressive to me. Baltimore just balled out on the ground. 298 compared to the Seahawks 28. I mean, that's 270, 70, 70, 270 yards difference. That is incredible. They, they just all over the place. Baltimore won time possession battle, 40 minutes, four seconds compared to 1956 for the Seahawks. And you can tell that in the team stats too, because usually we after the games, I'm saying, well, you know, Patrick Queen had 10 tackles and Rogue One Smith had 10 tackles. Queen had six tackles and Roquan Smith had five and they led the team. There just weren't many defensive opportunities for the Ravens because Baltimore just held the ball and was dominant with it. Now, Lamar finished 21 to 26 for 187 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And in a game like that, usually people might say, oh, well, this game was like 19 to 16 Ravens, or maybe the Ravens lost this game in a close one. But Lamar doesn't have to have, and this is why as conversation we had and we've had before is Lamar doesn't get MVP love or at least as much as I think he deserves because his passing yard stats aren't like super impressive compared to some of the other quarterbacks across the league but the efficiency Lamar is playing with this season is incredible I believe at this point pending the Monday night games you know that it'll be official once the Monday night games are over but Lamar leads the league in completion percentage right now so it just shows how efficient he has been playing this entire season, ever 7.2 yards per attempt. Also had 10 carries for 60 yards on the ground, so contributing there as well, including a long of 23 there. But I think the story offensively for the Ravens is Mr. Keaton Mitchell himself. Nine carries for 138 yards and a score. Averaged 15.3 yards per carry. Had a 60-yard run as well as a 40-yard touchdown. He was all over the place. And in a good way. I mean that in a very good way. He was electric. He was explosive. The speed was obviously there. And I said this on the live show too. He is the perfect complement. I know we talked about Derrick Henry. We talked about Saquon Barkley. Talked about Josh Jacobs. But if you look at the three guys on the Ravens roster running back wise that they're going to use. Gus Edwards is that bruiser. He's the powerful back. Can pick you up chunk yards. But also is just a, he's, he's a powerful guy, right? Now, Keaton Mitchell's the opposite of that. He's a speedster, shifty, make guys miss with his jukes and, and just can outrun you one-on-one. -on -one. And Justice Hill is in the middle of both those guys. He is an underrated bruiser and has underrated agility and, and speed aspects to him. So I personally think that it's the perfect complement for this Ravens team to have a Keaton Mitchell in there that's a change-of-pace type of guy. In all of his runs, or I shouldn't say all, I'd say most of his runs, he looked really good, really explosive, and hit the holes really hard, and just boom, hit the hole, gone. That's what it was. He was 
decisive as well as his his runs physicality wise he showed a couple of things there as well so I, I was on the Keaton Mitchell train again if you've been listening to me on Locked on Ravens since the offseason since free agency since we did our mock draft Sundays and mock draft Mondays on this show I was highlighting Keaton Mitchell is a guy is a late round running back that I was really intrigued for or intrigued in for the Ravens and it's proved me right proven a lot of other people right and I'm, I'm really happy for him other than Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, 552 and two scores. The Gus bus lives on. Justice Hill, 13 for 40, and Tyler Huntley, four for eight. We did get some Tyler Huntley time in this one. He went five of seven for 38 yards and a touchdown through the air. And who'd that touchdown go to? It was Mr. Odo Beckham Jr. I feel so happy for him. It's a monumental occasion for him just for proving not only himself to himself that he can do it, but to his haters, to his doubters, to everybody in the NFL world has been watching him. And I thought I didn't believe in himself, but you could see the emotion he, talking about it. He, he was elated and ecstatic about it. It was a really good feel good moment. He also wrapped Baltimore in his touchdown celebration, the park height strut, which was awesome. So to me, Odell is a guy that look, hasn't had the start to his Ravens tenure that I think a lot of people would have hoped for in terms of the stats and the production. But this was a key moment for him. He had 5 for 56 in the game, but all Ravens wide receivers, Mark Andrews led all Baltimore pass catchers, 9 for 80. But other than that, the receivers didn't really do a ton. I mean, Isaiah Likely, 4 for 42. Rashad Bateman, 3 for 28. Zay Flowers, 1 for 11. Devin DuVernay, 2 for 10. Nelson Aguilar, 1 for 2. Then Justice Sill had one target. Keaton Mitchell had one reception for negative 4 yards. But this wasn't a game where the Ravens really needed that. They just needed to run the clock out. But this wasn't... It was a little different than the Detroit game because the Detroit game was over in the middle of the second quarter. It was like 28 to nothing and 28 to six. But Baltimore, they were in this one in the second. It was zero to zero. Now in the second and third quarter, Baltimore outscored Seattle literally 30 to three. So that was pretty decisive then. But Baltimore wasn't just like on cruise control for the entire game. Now they, for most of it, they were, but it wasn't like the Detroit game where they got off to this amazing start points wise and then you know, just can cruise from there, which I think is, it's a, it's another test for them. It's something that they had to go through and they absolutely dominated Seattle in all aspects. Geno Smith could do nothing in this game, 13 to 28, 157 yards, one interception, QBR 14.5, which is just not good. Seattle averaged 1.9 yards per carry on the ground, which again, not good. Held Kenneth Walker to third, nine for 16, which was awesome. Jack Sharp and I actually had it, had more yards per carry than Kenneth Walker did. And Kenneth Walker has been awesome this season. And I want to reiterate the fact I said this too multiple times, just because the Ravens did this to Seattle does not mean Seattle's a bad football team. All right. This is impressive because Seattle's a good football team. If this was one of the worst teams in the NFL that the Ravens played, we'd be talking about this and saying, yeah, you know what? The Ravens did what they were supposed to do, but this is two straight home games of pure domination against what people believe to be two of the best teams in the NFC. Don't tell Lamar, but he's 18 and one in the NFC conference. So I know, I know he doesn't want to talk about it, but I'll, I'll talk about it for him. So Baltimore, again, a dominant win, but even so, even so there are areas to improve. This team can still get better, which is kind of scary to think about. It's so coming up in the final part of the show. We'll talk about where they can get better and much more coming up on this episode of Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, there's $150 if your team wins. 
If you've been thinking about joining Fiano, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is really easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options over there, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you bet the Ravens in this one, if you bet that, you're you're probably living large. I know Lamar Jackson with his passing yards didn't have 300 plus or anything, but you're maybe you talked about Mark Andrews overs for receptions, FanDuel. You're probably living large right now. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshiger still talking with you here again. Thank you so much for tuning in, first of all, and making us your first listen each and every day. But be sure to subscribe. It really helps out the show, gets the show in front of more people. You can hit the like button on YouTube and share it in audio form as well. I really appreciate all the support I've gotten here in the communities. Again, I'm, a, I'm really appreciative of that. YouTube community, audio community, social media community. We're coming up on 1 million views in on YouTube for a video community achievement, which has been really awesome. So thank you for your support, whether you're an everyday or it's your first time or if you're somewhere in the middle. Thank you. But let's talk about improvement because – Look, this Ravens team has been dominant over the past two home games, but there are still ways they can get better. And I think the way that everybody's looking at right now is the fumbling and the turnovers and the self-inflicted mistakes. All those things have been huge issues for the Ravens for the entire course of the season. And they popped up again in week nine. Baltimore had three fumbles in this game. They lost two of them. Lamar had two fumbles, lost one, and Odell had a fumble and lost it. Now, I will say that the strip sack that that happened to Lamar, I'm not putting that on Lamar. I'm putting that on Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley has had a rough go of things on some certain snaps this year. He can't really set anchor. He got beat really badly by Boye Mafe on that strip sack. I mean, a great play by Mafe, but Ronnie Stanley got beaten badly, got trucked by Leonard Williams too. So some some low light plays for Ronnie Stanley. I think he I think he did crush somebody on a block though. I can't remember when it was, but I do want to give him credit for that if that's who he was, if that's what it was. But Lamar and Justice Hill, Justice Hill wasn't credited for the fumble Lamar was, but those two guys just have not been on the same page at the mesh point the entire season. That needs to get better. They need to stop running that play with each other. It just I would it, it would be so disappointing if we're talking about a game that means something in December or a playoff game in January. And that happens. And it's just, it, I don't know how it hasn't been corrected the entire course of the season, but here we are in week nine and it's still a thing. Odell's play was really bad. I, you know, I, a lot of credit for the way he played on Sunday, touchdown and everything, but that play that he had, the, the result of the fumble was horrible. It was right under, I think it was under two minutes or right at two minutes for the Ravens in the first half. They're trying to get more points on the board. Odell catches the ball from Lamar and instead of going to the sideline, turns it back inside upfield. And it's just kind of float, toting the ball around like a little loaf of bread. And on top of the defender, he, he kind of rolls over the defender instead of hitting the ground. And the defender kind of gets the ball out. And luckily, the Ravens defense got the ball right back. It wasn't, you know, no harm, no foul. Geno Smith got a strip sack, and, and that was great. But it was Kyle Van Noy there, which was awesome. But to me... They need to get better with the fumbling. Lamar has 10 fumbles this season. That is not a good, I mean, nine weeks, 10 fumbles. You can't have that. It's more than a fumble a week, which again, talking about December, talking about January, hopefully February, those things all just can accumulate to, especially when those games mean more and the games are tighter. Sometimes it comes down to a team that gets the last turnover or has the ball last. And you want to give yourself as much opportunity as possible to score points. And it's one thing if a team just outplays you, 
right? Like that, that happens sometimes, but it's so much more frustrating for the team, for the players, the coaches, the fans, whoever, if it's self-inflicted mistakes that can be avoidable for the most part, that's the part where I think fans get frustrated. So that's one area the Ravens need to improve in. I mean, I could also say wide receiver production. I saw some stuff on social media about, oh, well, the wide receivers still aren't producing. And look, again, we can look at the wide receiver stats. Odell, 5 for 56 in a score. That's fine. Rashad Bateman, 3 for 28. Zay Flowers, 1 for 11. Devin Duvernay, 2 for 10. Nelson Aguilar, 1 for 2. Now, I, I want to give Rashad Bateman, I want to talk about him for a second. Because he beat his guy on a couple of deep shots, and Lamar missed him both times. Lamar did miss some throws in this game 100%. To me, I mean, that 3-for-28 looks a lot better if Lamar hits even one of those throws. I think one was going to be a touchdown. I think the other probably would have been two. He beat his man both times deep. But Bateman had five targets in this game. Odell had seven. Now, Zay only had one target. I think the Seattle defense tried really hard to take Zay out of the game. And it almost reminds me, now it's a little different because Baltimore has more weapons around Lamar, but it almost reminds me of when Marquise Brown was in Baltimore and you had to pick your poison between Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. It's almost like you got to pick your poison between Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. You know, if you don't cover, the other guy's gonna the, the guy's gonna have a big game, and then you, whoever you decide to put attention on, you know, oh well, that guy doesn't have a, a good game. But I don't know why does receiver production to me, if Lamar's throwing for 187 and these receivers are getting 556, 328, 111, and the Ravens are winning 37 to three. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. As long as if Baltimore wins by one, even if it's a sloppy win, I think it'd be ampli- more amplified if that were the case, right? If, if receivers weren't catching passes and yards weren't there, but Baltimore won this game 37 to three. So the, the stuff about the wide receivers need to be better. Sure. I know separation is a bit of an issue. Some play calling stuff has gone into that as well, but they won this game by a landslide. And to me, that's something that, I don't know. I feel like Baltimore doesn't need to have these 10 catch a hundred yard, two touchdown performances by the wide receivers. I've said that multiple times and I stand by that. This offense, Tom Lincoln was brought in not to change around the running game, but to add more creativity in the passing game. But these guys, again, week nine into the year now, we'll see if it can get better. I mean, this, I'm not expecting Zay flowers to have one catch for 11 yards for the rest of the games this year. You know, it's not going to be that way, but I, I do understand that to an extent is the game is it gets colder and then games start to mean more. You'd like to see a little more out of the wide receivers. I'm not denying that, but I just don't think it's as big of a deal because one, the Ravens are winning and two, the offense can, can still be sustainable and still be successful without that. But the consistency of hopefully having an offense that is, Incredible in the pass game and incredible in the run game just opens up the field so, so much for some of those wide receivers. And you're starting to talk about that offense where it's like, oh, who can you defend? And where are you going to put your defensive energy and your defensive attention? Because there are just so many guys on the field. So that, to me, is the really intriguing part about this whole thing. But Baltimore with a great, great game in week nine, again, 37 to three, probably there. I would say this is over Detroit. I would say their week nine game was more impressive just because I think that Seattle's offense, despite, you know, the Lions offense being good. I don't know. I feel, I just felt like this win was more season defining was what meant more almost not that the Lions game didn't, but I'd probably call this one, the win of the year for the Ravens so far. Hopefully though, they can top that 
and make that win of the year week 10 against the Cleveland Browns, who are going to come to town with a top defense, just like the Ravens have a top defense. So we'll dive into all that over the course of the week here on Locked on Ravens. That's all I have to hear today, though, on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.